live it is happening always and for eternity yeah uh-huh we're not we're not doing a live stream right now because i if you can't tell don't feel great so i look even worse yeah so thanks for bearing with us it's herpes okay <laughs> um that that particular problem has nothing to do with my congestion oh that one my Wait, bad. I, didn't, I thought I thought you were oversharing. No. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't have either. I, I, I don't have even the COVID. I just have uh, the cold. A cold. The cold vid. Isn't it weird? Like nowadays, like <clears throat> you have to specify. Yes. Like I uh, like used to work and you know see people and like oh you got a little cold there yeah 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 now it's like hey. Not feeling well? No, no. But don't worry. I I took two tests for COVID and I am yeah. not COVID positive. It, it's like super, a it's a it's you know, a real thing now. I wonder how long that'll last. <clears throat> or will it just be like will it turn into like the new thing of like um, instead of people saying oh do you have a cold it's like oh man you have COVID yeah I think I think it'll be more like that like oh you got a cold or you got the flu it'll be like oh you got COVID or you got a cold or what's going on like it, yeah. it'll be because I I do think like. COVID is the new flu type thing where it's just always going to be around now. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's very uh, strange times. But uh, speaking of strange times. Yeah. we I, So despite the technical difficulties, I really enjoyed our live stream. Yeah. I thought we, I thought we did a really nice job. Of, I think you did a great job. I came in at the end. <clears throat> I was like the, uh, I'm like I was like the closer. I was like the, you know, the fourth uh, person in a relay, where I just like showed up at the end. You already had you, like the strongest already, leg. No, no, I was going for more like <laughs> oh, we already had the lead. You, you were the we strongest already, leg. We already had the lead, and then it was just like. And then we give it to Usain Bolt, and he goes mm-hmm. really, really fast. I think he was the closer for the Jamaican. Yeah, team. you always put your fourth at, at the yeah, fastest. Yeah, because having the fastest man on earth is uh, a distinct advantage. Um, but we had we had a lot of, you know, good viewer turnout. It, we never really knew because the Streamlabs was having issues, the internet was having issues, and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so for the people that came out, <clears throat> whether you stayed for the whole thing and kept reloading it, or you checked in once or twice, and or even if you went to our page and said, hey, there's like 12 different podcasts getting ready to update and, and start. Mm-hmm. Um just really wanted to say thanks. It, w- it was a really good time uh, going over it. I had, to, I had to stay up really late for the results. Z- the results. Honey, <laughs> <laughs> do we have any pizza pockets? Um, but yeah, it, it was a really good time. And also, at least for me, it was a very, very interesting election and somewhat energizing, if you ask me. Like with not only the outcome but like the voter turnout 
I thought mm-hmm. we saw a lot of, and we'll talk about all of this, but the most exciting thing for me was young voters. You know, when I used to, when I used to teach American government, you know, to high schoolers, I really tried to make sure that people knew how impactful their voice could be. And <clears throat> with young people, it's very easy to just get sidetracked. You have so many other things going on in your life and you're not necessarily the m- most mature or wisest at that age. So you don't right. necessarily prioritize the best. And instead we saw a massive turnout by <clears throat> by Gen Z, which was absolutely thrilling. So that was that was my favorite part of the entire thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course, Gen Z did lean a certain way or you know definitely more than a lean uh but just even then you know i think it was like 35 percent vote republican i was just so excited with how many young people crazy. turned out yeah i mean all, all everything you just said is a little bit is super interesting but what's uh that, that 30 whatever percent it was for republicans for gen z was surprising to me well i mean i know it's out there i mean obviously that's a large majority yeah, I mean, sixty. Then, I think it was sixty-five, thirty-five. But you just got to consider, you know, Gen Z all over the country, and you know, if you're in a deep red state and you're just having great that's turnout, that's just how it is. Yeah, that's just how it is. But in general, Gen Z definitely favored uh, the Democratic side, which mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think going forward pollsters are going to really have to figure out how to include that because the Gen Z is only going to get bigger, right? right? So you had, I think it was 25 and younger are considered Gen Z. You know, <clears throat> that is going to be a generation that is still growing mm-hmm. because you have so many that are 16 and 17 years old that couldn't vote this year, but right. that will for 2024. Yeah. And they don't they don't respond to phone calls that have like spam risk and vote like, you know, voter call and all these yeah. different robotic calls that do surveys that way. They're going to have to figure out a way to reach and tap into those voters, not only for messaging reasons, but to actually get valid uh, polling information. You know, another point um, along with that is that it's going to be interesting, too, because I know you always talk about the death of the Republican Party. I wonder if Gen Z is going to be the momentum that starts that. If you already have a group of, of individuals that are voting that in that much of a majority for one party, um, it could I mean, it could it could say a lot of things about uh, the future of politics for sure. Yeah. And I think it. I think it's very interesting you bring that up because you have this generation of voters, this huge block of voters at the mm-hmm. quote unquote boomer generation, you know, the 65 plus that trends very, very heavily towards the Republican party. Yeah. Uh, while the Gen Z population is uh, growing, obviously the boomer generation is declining. So it's it's very interesting to see how this is going to play out for the next few years. And one thing I've said time and time again is with the Republican Party, you have to change your messaging where it's not <clears throat> all, you know, the Democrats are failing at this, failing at that, and throw all these kind of fear-mongering tactics without anything to generate excitement about policy. And I, th- I 
I can appreciate this a lot about Gen Z watching different TikToks and stuff like that who are, you know, quote unquote influencers who are young political influencers or like the David Hoggs of the world who, you know, he was a survivor of the Parkland shooting who has gone to Congress and testified before Congress and been very involved politically. They don't just want fear mongering. They want action. Right. They want action with regards to uh, women's rights and reproductive rights and climate change and, you know, <clears throat> balancing out the economy. Not like, oh, inflation is really bad, but like the whole economic system uh, that has issues, prison reform, these massive idealistic views that could actually push America forward. You have this base of people that is really leaning into that. And so I don't know <clears throat> what the Republicans are going to do with their messaging because they've been so tailored to that older, specifically older white male population mm -hmm. of America. And now it's the Democrats have started to hone their messaging in on the younger groups um, of people. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, the the election in and of itself was uh, pretty eye opening because um, I, even I thought that I didn't think it was going to be the red wave that everybody was talking about, but right. I did think that it was going to flip pretty. Um, not you're not even significantly. I thought it was going to flip to to the right. Yeah, um, especially and, and the House. Yeah, well, I even thought the Senate. <coughs> I thought the Senate would uh, would flip flop slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not by much. I was thinking, basically, what 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 it's projected to be for um, Republicans versus Democrats as it stands right now. Because um, right right now we're looking at fifty forty nine, um, and that's ones that have been called. Yeah. So with the calling of Nevada last night for mm -hmm. um, uh, Masto Masto. Uh, we now know for sure that the Senate will be blue mm -hmm. with the Georgia runoff to give a slight edge. <clears throat> Most likely Warnock will win that. We don't know, but even still, if he doesn't and Herschel Walker gets in, uh, it would be a 50-50 tie with Harris being the tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah, that was surprising to me. And I really think I, if, I, if I were a, a, a betting man... I would put my money on Warnock. Yeah. Um, I was looking at some studies and um, listening to or reading a few articles and it was saying that typically when there's a runoff election, whatever percentage voted for that third party candidate typically will lean left. Yeah, I think um, this is a really good case for ranked choice of voting uh, with the idea that <clears throat> we saw it in Alaska. But what they do is they would take that 2% of voters mm -hmm. and they look at who's their second choice. So if a, if a candidate is immediately out and there's no 50%, okay. so no one has a decided majority naturally, what they would do is they take the candidates that are not in it. Instead of doing a whole runoff, they take those second choice votes and apply them. So if I voted for the Libertarian candidate and they weren't close enough in the running to be you know considered like in this instance i think he got 2.7 percent and i voted for herschel walker as my second choice my my vote still counts towards yeah. the main election because now it is attributed to herschel walker 
or vice versa. Um, can I say something really fast about sure. And I don't want to, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place with states it. here, but um, Pennsylvania. Oh, loved it. Um, I read an article and it was right after Oz had um, conceded. Um, and the article was entitled something that like, it was something along the lines of like something that should not be surprising. You know what I mean? Or yeah. something that should not be a surprise. And it, it just kind of showed that it was a, you know, it was a class act move. It was the way that things used to be done. You know, if it looked like you had lost the, the election, yeah, you just say, okay, Hey, congratulations. Uh, yeah. Best of luck to you. Yeah. Um, and he did that. And I, I do think it was a class act move and I was, Good to see. Yeah, it was good to see. I would. I don't really know if I was all that surprised about it. I didn't really expect, you know, some sort of like Trump-like speech from from Doctor Oz. Um, uh, full transparency, I would have. Really? Yeah, I, I give that guy little to no just, credit as a human being. I don't know that much about him. I know that my mom used to watch his show. Yeah. Um, and I think every middle-aged mom probably did. Yeah. Um. You know, there was a reason why. Yeah, you were raising so if you were raising kids in the house, and you didn't have cable, like it was two five seven nine twelve, and he was on one of those five channels you had access to. So of course, you know, he got a lot of a lot of um, uh, not credibility, but you know, he had a, he had a lot of people that watched him and, and he had a bunch of people on his bandwagon. Yeah. yeah. And to go to go off of I think that, you just aged uh, aged the both of us there, only having a, a handful of channels to watch. Yeah, but back in our day, <coughs> what do you know about bunny ears <coughs> on a television? In uh, and on one of our TVs in the basement, we still had the spin. Oh yeah, the box that could spin the yeah. channels. Yeah. Uh, but to to further talk about that, which was really great to see, I think it was the Maryland governor's race. There was a flip, and the incumbent lost, and uh, he took the time to not only concede, they had, like, a joint press conference, and he was, like, basically saying, we're going to do all we can over the next few weeks to ensure not only a peaceful transition of power, but we're also going to ensure that we set them up for success. So it's not just, hey, you won, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. It was, we're going to take the next few weeks of my administration yeah. and utilize that time to make sure we set them up for success so our constituents don't feel any you know, whiplash, right? It's, it, it's, that's how it's supposed to be. I think it's just become so shocking after January 6th that that might not be the issue every time. Like this yeah. idea of, you know, peaceful transfer of power. We have, you know, gubernatorial candidates like uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona who are yeah. wanting to challenge the election results already because it's pretty clear that she's going to lose, but already looking to challenge the election results. Yeah, she's a bit of an oddball. Um, but I, I, I mean, thankfully, I don't think she'll... No. Have any success in challenging that. No. Um, that's, I mean, you know what? Okay, so we're talking about a lot of things that are very strange to talk about now nowadays. Um, you, you brought up COVID and how that's just going to be like a normal. Oh, you have COVID? Yeah. Um, I think like challenging election results. Like before all of this, the only time I've ever seen election results challenged was Gore. Gore yeah. Bush. Yeah. 
Which um, it made sense. Yeah, because it was within a margin of error, mm-hmm. and it was a recount. It wasn't saying And they that, had the hanging chat issue. Yeah. Where the, the actual ballots were very off. They had the butterfly style, so it was mm-hmm. like, wait, did they actually select that person? Was it, like, off kilter? Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, but, I mean, again, not a bad reason to want a recount. He never challenged the election results. He wasn't saying the the, the results were falsified no. or the results were, you know, um, fake in any way. Uh, it was just, hey, can we, do, can we do a redo down there? Well, and <clears throat> that was the state that defined the 2000 election. Mm-hmm. It was literally the difference, and I think the votes was in the, the low thousands, like 10,000s. Yeah. Um, which changed the whole, the whole, uh, complexion of the country. Right. So we then went from the Clinton administration mm-hmm. and instead of moving to his vice president, Al Gore, we moved to the Bush administration Yeah, and then that Bush administration got us into two wars and we had nine 11, we had all these different things happen within the first few years and I don't think necessarily Al Gore would have prevented 9-11 or anything like no. that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But our reaction to it might have been different. I don't know. But it was a yeah. very, very different complexion of America after that election. And it was literally decided by tens of thousands of votes. Yeah. Yeah, those are always kind of uh, <coughs> little conundrums to think about, like, how how a different president would have handled a challenge like that. Um. But getting back to the midterms, one thing that historically we see, and this is one of the things about this particular midterm election that is so daunting and why people are so like, this is historical, was because the change that always seems to happen at the midterm. The last time, I'll actually just go over the last few midterms, the way the House seats went. In 2018, Donald Trump lost 40 House seats. In 2014, Barack Obama lost 13. In 2010, the midterm of Barack Obama's first mm-hmm. um, uh, tenure as president, he lost 63. George Bush lost 30 uh, in his second term. Uh, in his first term, he, lo- he actually gained eight. But like I said, after 2001, 9-11, there was a lot of movement towards the red side. In 1998, Clinton only gained five seats. But prior in his first administration, he lost 52. Bush lost eight in five, or sorry, eight in his midterm. Reagan lost five in his second term, 26 in his first term. And you're get your your understanding the picture I'm painting here right time and time again these presidents lost a bunch of seats in the house the last time we saw uh the house remain the same and actually gain some seats was before Bush was FDR's first term in 1934 so with Biden scheduled to lose what three four maybe five seats total and having as many as he did up for grabs, it's really remarkable. And the other thing is that isn't talked about a lot, but is getting a little bit more play is the idea of the amount of gerrymandering and redistricting that happened leading into this. Where we had 
you know, seats that were very, very well secured, like V2, uh, Virginia 2, District 2 with Elaine Loria. Uh, I called that out during the live stream was like her losing that seat was a perfect representation of what was a very, very solid blue district all of a sudden was actually favored to go red and it did. And so that amount of redistricting that happened, if we, if we look at Wisconsin, Wisconsin chose a, um, a, a democratic governor had, had a very, very close democratic race. But if you look at the map, it's almost all red, uh, for the districts. And that has to do, if you look at, the 2010 uh, map of Wisconsin versus the current one, there's a lot more blue uh, freckles within Mm -hmm. there. And now it's almost completely red except for uh, Milwaukee and Madison. And so that redistricting also had a huge impact. And that just goes to show you that despite the redistricting, despite the president having an all-time low approval rating at a midterm, um, some of the other major issues, inflation, gas prices, um, the war in in, in uh, Ukraine and how we've handled that. Some people don't like that. All of these things came to a head and yet Biden might lose four seats and he gained a Senate seat. Right. And all these other races looking back, you know, usually it was a loss of two, three Senate seats as well. And yet here he is gaining a Senate seat. Right. In a in a in a state that was very very hotly contested, it was the most expensive state for for the campaigns, right? So there was more money spent on Fetterman and Oz campaigns than any other campaign in the country. It's funny too when you're looking at like um, so like right now I'm on um, CNN and politics and I'm you know there's the maps and it's showing you um, which seats went which way and you can actually click on flipped seats. And if you're looking at the Senate, there's only one that comes up. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's it's interesting because, you know, vice versa that if you go to um, looking at the House, I mean, it's they're checkered in and out all over the place. Um, but it's it's kind of, uh, it's just, it's really, again, I'm going to say it, it's, it's very surprising that it went this way. I thought it was going to be far, wor- far worse. Um and now we're still counting up some of the House seats. I mean, we are, I do think that Democrats are definitely going to lose the House. I don't think that's really a, yeah, the, a question the, anymore. But um, it's not going to be that huge of a... Well, get this. Fine. Okay, so it. they're probably going to have... I think the most recent projection is 222. So they'll have a four-seat okay. lead. Okay. But <clears throat> we haven't talked a lot about this yet. But the Republican Party is becoming very divided. Mm-hmm. You have the conservatives like McConnell and Romney and all them versus the MAGA movement, which is Trump and like McCarthy. And McCarthy should be lined up to get Speaker of the House. (coughs) As the lead Republican in the House, you would think he would win. Mm -hmm. However, he needs to have the majority of the votes. So if he were to lose those five or six, Mm -hmm. we'll say six or seven Republicans that don't want to honor the guy that, you know, fed the big lie type movement, you know, of election fraud of 2020. If you have six or seven um, Republicans that don't vote for him, 
and you have all of the Democrats vote for Nancy Pelosi, she could be the Speaker of the House while being the minority. How fucked up is that? Talk. I mean, if anybody could, ra- and I, again, I, I, you know, I was just talking to my mom about this today. Um, you know, I, I don't like Nancy Pelosi, but I mean, if, if there's anybody in the House right now that can rally them all together, it's probably her. Yeah, she has. And <clears throat> I have my issues with Nancy Pelosi as well. Not so much as a statesperson, but more of like the whole like investment thing just gives yeah. me a bad taste. Yeah, right. Of course. But in terms of her policy, I haven't had many issues. There's been two major issues that I have with her, and they seem, by and large, in comparison, not as important when it comes to the legislative process. Number one, she went to the salon during COVID and all that shit. Number two, the investment thing. She's made a shit ton of money. But in terms of who she is, is I think a member of that better too. Yeah, yeah, he's out of critical condition. Very good call. The way she runs her campaigns, the way she legislates, the way she's been a speaker uh, in the past, I have absolutely no problem. I think she's great. Do I have some issues with her as like, you know, abuse of power because of this investment thing? And like, for those of you listening, she has made tons of money in the stock market. And it seems like she's always that one or two steps ahead of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there is movement in the within the Democratic Party to basically outlaw stock trading by any sitting member of Congress. Yeah, and I don't <clears throat> think she did her very best to get that through. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. But we could be seeing a more progressive movement. We'll see. Yeah. With that said, uh, I think she's been a really good speaker. And would, like you said, she has the ability to rally troops like no other. And... The footage that we saw during the January 6th committee where she was basically handling the situation from inside, reaching out to the National Guard, reaching out to governors and mayors of local areas or surrounding areas to get their police force out and about all that stuff. Her ability to network, connect, and uh, do the right thing in, in critical moments is is pretty unparalleled right now. So <clears throat> do I think any of that happens? No. I do think McCarthy ends up being Speaker of the House. But it's definitely interesting to see that there's this shift in the Republican Party that I definitely want to talk about that <clears throat> mommy and daddy are fighting in the Republican mm-hmm. Party, and they have been for a while. If you want to say, like, Trump and McConnell, Trump and DeSantis, <clears throat> Any way you look at it, there's a big disconnect at the statewide and national level. At the district level, Trump did very well, right? Where he supported certain district candidates like Mm -hmm. the Marjorie Taylor Greens. That did very well. But when you get the overall state level like Senate or gubernatorial candidates, you saw a big failure in the Trump messaging. And also, he had the ability to sync people as well. And so now you're starting to see the messaging change. I'm like the Fox News is of the world where Republicans are asking for the party to move on from Trump. Well, I think the biggest thing, <clears throat> the biggest positive thing that could happen for the Republican Party is if Trump separated himself from the Republican Party. Um, I think that 
you would see more success with Republican candidates because I think that there's such a bad stigma that goes along with uh, a Trump endorsement. Yep. Um, that it really it's more harm than good. And I know you were just kind of pointing that out, but I bring that up too because ironically enough, I was talking to my mom about that today too. Um, she was asking if I thought Trump was going to run in 2024. And I said, I think if he's going to announce it, he's going to announce it soon. Um, yeah, supposedly the 14th, he has a big announcement. That would be tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I, I He doesn't have that. I don't think he'll have the steam that he needs. Um, and then it'll just turn into another rigged election in his eyes. Well, and that's, a, that's another thing is like, you know, he's floated this idea that he might announce in the very near future, right? So probably tomorrow. But he's also taking on <clears throat> what everyone thought was his mini-me and Ron DeSantis. He's threatened to leak information. He has all this nasty information on Ron DeSantis. And so the problem is for the Republican Party is Donald Trump sees this as a sinking ship and he's just going to take it down with him. Like, yeah. He's going to take this. He's going to burn the whole fucking house down. Yeah. He's going full Titanic. <clears throat> he's going down with the ship. And it's it's amazing that he's willing to do that and that the Republican Party isn't using this as an opportunity to regather. Yeah. You know, in sports, like, you see teams do this, like, quote-unquote, rebuilding year, right? Like, oh, the, the Bears have all these picks and so much salary cap. They have yeah. a few good pieces. But they're not trying to play for the Super Bowl this year. You see this all the time in sports where it's not our year. So we're going to we're going to sell off some pieces, we're going to regroup, and then we're going to start building again. And I really feel like that that should be the Republican strategy right now mm -hmm. because after this year, after these midterms and seeing what happened, and they don't have a messaging to pivot to, right? And I'll talk about that in a second, but I I would have thought that they would have changed their strategy going forward. Like, okay, this is wrong. We'll let Trump just fuck everything up. And, okay, he lost 2020. Now it's our chance to just totally regroup. Yeah. And they kind of hung on. And now the midterms are happening. They lose those. that in, <clears throat> They lose it in the Senate. And then they don't gain this red wave that all of their people were, you know, saying. Like, you know, the Ted Cruz's were out uh, hyping up that it's not going to be a red wave. It's going to be a red tsunami and all this yeah. shit. Donald Trump out there. It's going to be the biggest thing that we've ever seen. And if it falls flat on its face, this would have been the time to start saying, you know what? We need to pivot away from the, the MAGA movement, similar to how they did with the tea party mm -hmm. and change their tone, change their messaging, change their platform. Yeah. That's a very good point. Like we that's remember a, that's, 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 that's exactly what they did with the tea party. Right. And remember 2020, like the platform for, for the RNC was we're going to follow whatever Tr Donald Trump does. Right. Maybe going forward, have a platform that isn't dependent on one kind of volatile person. I right. could say all these things that are reprehensible about Donald Trump, but the one thing in terms of politics that's important to acknowledge is he's so volatile. Yeah. And if you're hinging everything on that volatility, you know, if the wave if 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 the waves are coming in, that's good. But if the waves are going out, not so good. Like, you know, we gotta we gotta pivot. And I would expect the Republicans to do that, but then again, their strategy has just been all over the place the last decade or so. 
Yeah. It's like it's like diversifying your stock. You know what I mean? You don't want all your money in Bitcoin. <coughs> you uh, don't want any money in crypto right now. That's what I'm saying. Did you did you see all that about FTX? Yes. That the Holy whole thing's shit. collapsing and the guy now the guy's happened, being it arrested. It just like happened like yesterday or something like that. Uh like yeah, 3 days ago basically and we're not crypto I'm not a crypto expert. Uh-uh. Um, but it, it, the FTX is an exchange and it was essentially turning into a Ponzi scheme is what it seems like because you had all of these celebrities, all of these major power people. This wasn't like, uh, an instance where like NFTs kind of, you know, faded and people were a little bit more liquid during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so people had a little more cash. They took a little more risk. Uh, NFTs falling out of favor made sense. But crypto, I still think there is a place for it in our currency system mm-hmm. long term. We're just not there yet. <clears throat> With that said, this FTX was a marketplace for people to trade that. And so you had all of these people jumping in. And it wasn't just like um, like a, 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 a silly tech stock that right. just didn't do well. And it was like, yeah, they got investors, but they weren't like, long-term capital investors, institutional investors. Well, FTX had institutional investors. That's the thing. That's the crazy part about this. And as we've talked about, like, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen had like $600 million in this. So, like, you had these massive celebrities, massive institutional investors, and this guy who ran FTX basically became a billionaire overnight. He was worth about $10 billion. And then just the same, easy come, easy go. Yeah. Lost it all. And like, he's on the run. Like he, he, he like ran off to the Bahamas. Yeah. He went to, went to bed a billionaire and woke up worthless. Yeah. Worthless in, in a criminal. Yeah. And now they're like investigating all of the companies that were involved in like some of this, like they weren't pumping and dumping, but they were inflating their value. Uh, and as you know, it, it was just remarkable. And you know, one of the things about crypto was there was no no government regulatory body involved. Right. Like the SEC was kind of getting involved, and in like there's a there's a crypto company called Coinbase, which is um, regulated and like does work with the SEC to make sure that they are compliant and all that. So there's never an issue. Like there would be with FTX, but FTX, oh, even the Miami Heat, their <clears throat> their stadium mm-hmm. was <coughs> similar like how we have the United Center in, yeah. in Chicago. Theirs was the FTX stadium. And so they had to cut that. So now they're looking for a new corporate sponsor to like, Jeez. yeah, absolutely nuts. But that collapse was even worse than the Republican collapse of the midterms. Um, <laughs> good segue, good segue. Thanks, nice, nice, thanks. Nice. bringing it back. Um, so the other thing that I, I, I'm really, really interested in seeing, and we haven't seen a lot of yet, because we don't fully know what the House and Senate really looks like just yet. We know what the House or the Senate will look like. It's going to be blue, but we don't know what the House is going to look like exactly. But I'm really interested to hear the messaging. Like I said, I saw some of the clips from like Fox News and, you know, Laura Ingraham and like all these different people where I think it was on The View. There was a there's a woman that's Republican and it's not Megan McCain. It was someone else. 
But she's like, well, finally, my party can move on from Donald Trump. She's like, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative woman. But we need to move on from Donald Trump. And I'm I'm very, very curious as to how that's going to play out, especially over the next few weeks. Because like you said, Donald Trump is going to probably announce that he's going to run for president. And how does that look if half the party is like, nah, you're not the guy anymore? It, it'll it'll just be very... Do you think that would stop him? Do you think that... Um, I mean, no. And I'm not trying to draw us out, out onto a little... Um, uh, tangent here but I, I i i see him as the kind of person that he's like well fine i'm not a republican anymore and he'd come up with the name of his own party uh well if he did that the name of the party would be the trump party um because he needs to have his name everywhere that's a good point yeah but i don't i don't foresee him not running like he is going to run i think he's going to run it all the way until he's either in jail or desantis beats him out yeah uh, meanwhile, Joe Biden has said he's going to run. And I mean, honestly, his approval rating is low, but <clears throat> is got, it really that low? Is got, it really it's low? It's gotten better. I know, but like, is it low? Because how do we get that approval number? Right? We do polling, and the polls were very far off here. And that's been a thing since 2016. Right. Right? We did not, we did not have accurate polling data. For the amount of like rural voters that really came out in droves for <clears throat> Donald Trump, we didn't have accurate data in 2020. The amount of energy that Trump brings to the adversarial position when he runs or he's involved, all of a sudden there's a lot more energy to counter counteract him. Right? They they want to go out and vote not because they're energized by Biden or they're energized by anyone they're energized to defeat Donald Trump and so Donald Trump all of a sudden making the news a lot more and and going out and doing these rallies also energizes the people against him which is very interesting so that's another thing for Republicans to consider is like by choosing DeSantis do you get the same energy against you Right. You get you get that momentum for you. Mm-hmm. But does it rally a turnout that we've seen unlike any other? Right. We had 20, 2016 set new records and then we had like 2020 set new records, 2018 set new records, 2020 set new records, 2022 set new records. And it's like 2024. If Trump is there, we'll set new records. It yeah. might anyways. But <clears throat> if I'm a Republican strategist and I'm looking at this. The higher the voter turnout, the more likely I am to lose. So what do I want to do? I want to, well, if I'm an evil strategist, I'm looking for ways to suppress the vote by legislation and redistricting. But also, I'm looking for what's going to draw the least amount of energy against me. Not draw not draw the most energy for me, but what's going to draw the least amount of energy against me. And so Donald Trump is a very, very polarizing person. I think DeSantis is somewhat polarizing. Yeah. But Donald Trump is a whole new level. It is just absolutely electric, uh, both for and against. Yeah, no, I would agree with that 100. percent I don't think that'll be. I don't. I don't think Trump will make it onto the ticket. I also don't. I don't really. I'd be really surprised. I just. I don't. I don't see Joe Biden going after it again. I think he's going to get tired after the next two years. I think he is too. I really you know do. I, mean? I think he'll change his mind. I think he'll endorse somebody. I think he will too. I, I I think there's a couple of 
really, really good, interesting candidates. Um, most notably, one that you and I both agree on, and that's Gavin Newsom. Yeah, uh, I think he his think messaging would, is just so clear. You know what? He he has the whole French Laundry thing, but like, yeah, you can even you, you can see how that panned out in California. Um, but I think that he he's somebody who could win in a landslide against the Republican Party. I think he's just. And again, I'm not saying I agree with him on a policy level. I'm just saying that um, I think that he is super likable. Uh, I think he's charismatic. I think he's relatable. Um, and I think, you know, that alone um, with, you know, hitting a few key points as far as um, policy and changes that he wants to make could be huge for him. So, it, yeah, I fully agree. I think... I, I I like that he's very, very progressive, but he still has this. Um, he's polished. He's very polished. He's very calm, poised, you know, whereas, you know, and I love this about Bernie, but I don't know if it resonates with a lot of the centrist voters. It's like he can get very animated and very like like his like all of his uh, feathers are ruffled. Like it's just like angry yeah and like that doesn't sit well with a lot of centrist voters or independent voters necessarily whereas gavin newsom is very slick very measured very polished but also has the policy and track record to back him up so i think bernie i'll try one more time i i i, I, know I think it'll depend there. i think it'll depend yeah uh, i don't think he would run if biden does decide to because i i I don't know. I don't think I don't think Warren or or Sanders just they can do it. Like they're going to be eighty something. Yeah, and it's just it's getting too too. Elizabeth old. Warren is. Yeah, she's up there. I didn't realize she was up close yeah. to eighty. Yeah, she's. she's I think she looked good for her age. Yeah, she. I think she's seventy nine. Hold on. Oh wow. I mean, I guess if you're just like comparing it to. Oh no, to, she's seventy three. Okay. It's still older than I thought. I thought maybe 60s for her. Yeah. She does have that grandma voice, though. So, so she'll be 75 June 22nd. She'll be 75 come next election. Hmm. Which would put her at 79 finishing. It's not terrible. Bernie's 81 now. I wonder when we'll see our next like ultra young president. Oh, that that reminds When's me. When's our next JFK? We had our first Gen Z uh, person voted in to Congress. No shit. Maxwell Frost, 25 years old, California, from Florida. Oh, Florida, really? Yeah, he was one of the only Democrats to come out of Florida because Florida, once again heavily gerrymandered by Ron DeSantis and we saw multiple um, re relatively secure seats flipped. Miami-Dade County went blue or went red, which was a blue stronghold. So for 2024, <clears throat> I would not spend a lot of time there for the yeah. Democratic Party. Like mm. it is just gone full-fledged red. And <clears throat> we saw a population shift down there uh, during COVID, uh, Ron DeSantis kept it up, uh, kept it generally open. And so people that were frustrated with lockdowns and parameters and restrictions, yeah. they 
generally went there. I know I had some family that <clears throat> either Florida or Texas. Yeah, that well, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, I had family who refused to deal with Illinois restrictions, so they literally picked up their stuff and moved to Florida, and moved there. Bold and, move. Yeah, uh, not something I would do. No. Obviously, well, again, if I'm moving, I'm moving to Switzerland, man. I keep seeing TikToks of that place. It is beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, but anyways, so you had a you had a good a good amount of people uh, move down there during the whole COVID period and therefore vote in Florida. So it definitely swung red, right? And so we did have our first Gen Z person, 25 years old, the youngest you can be to enter the house, uh, Maxwell Frost, uh, get in. And that's super exciting. I'm surprised that it's Florida and I'm surprised that it's a Democrat too then. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is like um, Maxwell Frost uh, what what district was it? The 10th district. Gosh, to enter politics at 25 years old. Right. I didn't even have my head on straight at 25. <clears throat> and I, I've, I've seen, you know, some of his campaign materials. I didn't, I didn't track him that closely. Um, but he's, he's just a, a super well-spoken person. Very, very good at advocating for people. Um, <clears throat> I got a lot of support from around the country from the Gen Z population because now you're starting to see yeah. people of that generation really make an impact. And, and it's crazy because you think about what has happened with the Gen Z population. This is something that excites me about, you know, the end of our generation is millennials and Gen Z. I feel like our generation started to question why a lot more. Like, why the fuck are we doing it this way? Why, why, why do we have, you know, systemic racism or institutional issues or broken systems here or whatever? Why, why do we allow this? Why, how has this happened? How can we fix it? Gen Z has said, nah, we're fucking fixing it. They're just coming in. And like, we saw like Greta Thunberg, uh, um, you know, speak about climate change when she was like 13 years old and she got all this credit. And then you had, you know, the idiot Trumps and DeSantis's of the world kind of poo pooing her. But you had this movement of young people, like I said, David Hogg with his um, moves towards gun reform and, and protecting schools and, and all of that. Like you had a group of people that not only ask why, but then look to, to absolutely fix it. Like, it's not just good enough to say, well, why is it this way? Sure, let's get an understanding, but let's start making moves to fix it. And if we don't fix it properly the first time, fine, we tried. Let's do it again. Like, let's start failing forward mm -hmm. because all that America has done over the last several decades is fail. Yeah. But we're not failing forward. We're not, we're not failing because we're trying to do something different. We're not trying to progress or fix systems. We're failing because we think the status quo is good enough. And it just yeah. has never been since since Reagan came in. And that status quo was always just we were so much further ahead of all these other countries that we could rest on our laurels. And we did. But that's not how you keep up long term, right? If, if, you, start, if you start setting the pace <clears throat> and then start to keep the pace of everyone else, well, they're going to catch up to you. So like... We were setting the tone. We were setting the pace for the world 
you know, after World War II. And then since then, we've just been resting on our laurels saying, hey, we did all these great things and we weren't continuing to progress. We weren't trying to innovate and change the system and, and embrace the idea of democracy. That's the beauty of democracy is like you can innovate, you can change, you can be more nimble than a system that locks everything into place. But because our democracy is so uh, tangled up with our economics that the status quo is better for the economy, we have no longer been nimble for, for three or four decades. But that is changing with with some of our generation, but really that next generation that's like, nah, fuck this, we're fixing it. And I, I, th- I just think that's beautiful because we're getting to a point where we can no longer continue. Like, it's not like, ah, yeah, but fixing it could really mess up everything for me. It's like, nah, if we don't fix it, I'm fucked. And so are, so are my next generations. Yeah. That's the difference with like the millennials. We're starting to realize like, yeah, we might be fucked long-term, but we have kids. We care about them. We're yeah. going to try fixing it. And the Gen Z is like, nah, it's going to be my generation that gets fucked. So how do I fix it now? Do you think it really will be the Gen Z? I think it'll be. I don't know. I was gonna say I think it'd be a little bit further down the line, but I mean, all I hey, if if Gen, what do you Z, mean? If Gen Z, I thought it would be like Generation Alpha. That's what's got there now, right? Is that our I think, kids? I think that yeah, I think Nora and Ben are Generation Alpha, uh-huh. and I want to say that. I don't think there's a switch in between Ben, <coughs> ben and, and and Charlie. Um, no, no way. So, because it's usually like fifteen. Yeah, I years. think they're Generation Alpha. So, <clears throat> I think Gen Z will, or Beta, one of the two. I think Beta's out now. <clears throat> I think, I think Gen Z is going to be the one to fix the track that we're on, and it's going to be. That's what's going to allow Generation Alpha to start zooming again. Yeah, I think because one thing about Generation Z, and I, I don't mean this in a mean way, is that they're very, um, they're not, they're, they're, in my eyes, they're somewhat selfish. You know what I mean? They're very, and not, not selfish, they think of themselves very often. You know what I mean? And so I think that that. Interesting. It's, it's almost like a, um, they have like almost like this self-importance and I think that maybe that's what could guide them to fixing things because they're like whoa 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 this is gonna fuck me yeah um from you know I don't, I don't inter- I, the only interactions I have with Gen Z folks is at the restaurant you know what I mean with all my co those, those are all, the those are the early Gen Z that's the early model that's the early model we, we've revamped <laughs> well, oh that. my god when they put out Gen Z 2.0 <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> that software update is gonna be huge and hey they got gigahertz more baby but I think Gen Z what I think is gonna happen is that they're gonna be uh extremely idealistic without the focus you need you need okay. idealism and focus and they don't have the focus where I think generation alpha could kind of tighten it in like rein it in like yeah. oh we're going all these different directions how do we rein it in and really drive for some results and i think that that happens naturally i don't think it's necessarily a a generational thing because yeah. of this generation than this i think that's what happens throughout cycles of time yeah. it's like okay we need change well we need to change this this and this and i think yeah. that's us we're like hey 
I think we need some change. Why is this the way it is? Yeah, yeah. Generation Z is like, hey, well, then let's change this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, well, we could change probably two out of the three, right? We'll refine. What are we going to do? It's like and Generation refine, Alpha, yeah. yeah. Generation Alpha is going to rein it in and start to push the results. You know, it's funny that I say that about Gen Z because it's it, it's like I remember people who are older than me talking shit about millennials. Like, oh, these fucking millennials. I'll tell you what, fucking assholes. And <coughs> they don't I, do anything. And then, yeah, and then here I am like, because you and I are older millennials. Yeah. Um, I'm the eldest millennial. I think it cuts off at 85 Oh, no shit, dude. And I'm 86, like January of 86. Yeah. I'm a little bit newer model millennial. Yeah, you, you, had, you had at least one update since my, my Yeah, brand, one. My, I had my like model. one, almost two software updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah your software they update, they're like, we still have more to go. Yeah, they're like, oh, fuck. They looked at me, they're like, they looked at me and they're like, oh, fix those kids in the 90s. Jesus Christ, they can't end up like this. What is wrong with him? But I remember them being like, oh, these fucking millennials. And here I am shitting on it. Like, these fucking Gen Z. Anyway, they have no work ethic. Well, that's 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 so natural of like, of and and I honestly, I hope that Gen Z and Generation Alpha yeah. do change the work ethic in this country. Me too. Like we should not work as hard as we do. We shouldn't. Mm. I don't with, know. With all the automation that we have, hours with you're the, talking yeah, about, like yeah, like the okay, pure hours. Okay. I shouldn't say hard work. Okay. I'm saying I was like, dude, I the amount of that. time yeah. that we work. Like, work your ass off for like four or five hours a day at most. Yeah. Four days, maybe five days a week. That's how it should be. Yeah. Just because there's this level of automation that's happening that, you know, people used to work 40 hours a week, you know, putting in data entry. Now you like copy paste and it's all in within minutes. And it's like, what? Yeah. Why do we need to work 40 hours to do that job? So now we're making that job irrelevant and doing other things with all that data, I'm sure. But what I'm trying to say is, is like Gen Z is starting to realize the balance of, of life versus work. Like, yeah. the, okay. I just walked into that. I hate the term work-life balance. Like you work and you live finding balance, but truly this idea of like, what is important to me? What yeah. is important in the world? Like is like climate change is a driving factor for, for Gen Z, right? That's something that's really important to them. So they're going to look to make change. So yes, we don't need gas guzzling cars. Like I'll take a little, you know, electric vehicle or hybrid. So bad, though. Yeah. Get the Ford F-150 lightning. Oh, dude! No, it's got more towing power than the than the actual Ford. Oh, F-150. that's the electric one, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I like that one. I like. Unfortunately, Rivian has taken a dip, but um, yeah, those were interesting. They were very cool, dude. Yeah, I would love an electric. I would, love, and I know you hate Elon Musk, but I want his fucking cyber the cyber truck. truck? No, nah, I, mean, I don't. I, you want to hear something funny? Yeah, I don't think they ever come about. Oh, I don't think so either. I think people just sunk a bunch of money. Speaking of like Ponzi schemes and watching like this whole Twitter thing play out and all that, like, I think that man is in for a world of hurt. He'll still be a billionaire. He's like a brand. He's not gonna. He's yeah, not quite. Like yeah, I did say Ponzi scheme, so that's a a good leap to make. But I guess I shouldn't have said that. I think he's. I think he's, a slightly, a slightly more elevated Donald Trump. 
I think he knows how to message really well to get people behind him. Mm-hmm. And then they become super loyal to him. Like like fans almost. <clears throat> but I think very similarly to Donald Trump, he started on third base. He's not like a Mark Cuban that took me into you know started to get to third base. Right, right. And like don't get me wrong, I think <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was good. I was like, oh, wow. I don't think I'm even at their base. I was like, wait, I see what you're saying. I have a kid. I definitely (laughs) hit a home run. (laughs) Um, I think, um, you know, all these billionaires definitely got some advantages. Like Jeff Bezos, you know, had a $250,000 loan from his parents. Uh, to start his business out of his garage. Uh, Bill Gates, his mother, you know, I saw this whole thing and like Bill Gates, his mother set up a deal and meeting for him to meet with IBM when Microsoft Microsoft was first starting out. So like, it's not that, but similarly, you know, Elon Musk, he came from a very, very rich family, you know, from South Africa. And I don't know. But sir, Yo, black. Lethal eleven. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, the the uh, transfer, you know, of that business mentality didn't necessarily come from his dad to him. Similar to Donald Trump and his father. His father built this empire, gave him some money, and Donald Trump used that money to inflate his value and use that value to amass more more money. You know, Elon Musk had money. Invest in PayPal, basically got ousted by PayPal, took that money, invested in, in Tesla, maneuvered his way to the top of Tesla, and has since done very well with that company. But one thing that people don't realize about Tesla is like, for me, I'm very bearish on it. A, because number one, or A is number one, uh, Michael Burry has shorted that at a $580 million position. So you know, at some point, Tesla's going to sink. That yeah. guy does not make big mistakes like that. Yeah. Number two, <clears throat> the automotive industry is going to catch up. And the reason Tesla has made so much money over the last decade. Is because they were one of the only re- electric cars. They were the only electric cars. And the companies like Ford and GM, they had to uh, invest in green credits. Right. And all those green credits went to Tesla. So Tesla was making $250, $300 million a year just from green credits. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about a company that, oh, you did like $800 million in revenue, and half of it is just because another company had to pay you because you make green cars. And now they're making green cars, and they're making them better. Yeah. Because like one of the things that gets called into question is the actual – uh, durability and quality of the car itself. Like the technology is otherworldly with Tesla and the battery. It's great. And the uh, charging stations and all that, the the infrastructure for Tesla is there, but <clears throat> with other cars or other car manufacturers that are legacy and have been around for a while, they're going to, they're going to do it better. Like they're the car company. Well, not only that, they're now the technology is there for them. They're going to do it faster as well. Right. I want to recap. Because we're okay. getting, now, yeah, we're we're talking about, now we're talking about Tesla. Oh cars. man, I, I'm. Um, I did not think I was going to have this level of energy, but you know, Gen Z just election. Yeah. Okay. Midterms. Surprising. Final thoughts. Uh, super surprising, but super energizing. Uh, yes, the Democrats lost the House. 
I still think it's very interesting. The Democratic Party, for me, the reason it's energizing, and I'm not like a registered Democrat, I refuse to, it's going in a more progressive direction. It's really, really focusing on the the common middle class, lower socioeconomic classes, mm-hmm. rather than big corporate donors that just happen to lean left and want to do like the right thing for the public. It's shifting. Like the 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 Clinton style of Democrat, both Bill and Hillary, where they really relied heavily on rich celebrities and corporate donors is changing. And that's, you know, we see it with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who made huge moves, gathered a ton of money to the AOCs and Katie Porters. Now we're seeing even more of that where we even have a Gen Z uh, candidate who got in at 25 years old. It's no longer about being marketable to corporations it's being marketable to your constituents which that for me is the most exciting part of, of the midterms nice mm-hmm. how about you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about you what's your takeaway no, from i think midterms? it's i think it's i think it's um the biggest thing that i took away from this is that voting is changing um i and and we really we started to see that in 2020 um but I think even the jump that we've made from 2020 to 2022 is, is enormous. Yeah. And I think that it's only going to continue to progress in that way where you have younger voters coming out, more voters coming out. People are realizing the importance of it. Um, and you can see that not that, that, that these polls are not necessarily always correct. Um, and, you know, we we're used to that, that three to, you know, like 3%, you know, little margin of error, margin of error yeah. on either side of, of the polling. But, I think that that's those days are gone. I think that they're maybe that's our million dollar idea. A new figure polling. out figure out how to poll that yeah. adequately captures the boomer generation that isn't going to be super digital. It's easy. Put and it on, also put Gen it, Z. Put it on fucking Instagram. Put it on YouTube. But that's just that's not so much for the boomer generation. Fuck them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of my best friends are boomers. Yeah. No. <laughs> Fix your fix your generation, people. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking shit about all the generations. Yeah, you're going in hard, except the millennials. The millennials are just the best. No, because you know what's funny. Is I used to be like, I can't believe I'm a fucking millennial. I just don't <laughs> like. You know what it is? I don't like labels. Fair. You really don't. I don't. You don't. I don't. Yeah, that's except for my wife. My wife. My wife. Very nice. She got a beautiful haircut. She looks great. She does. Yeah, she looks great. She looks very beautiful. She really does. Yeah. I, I was interesting or I was interested because I I love when a woman has longer hair and like grows it out and my yeah. and there's something about that. I would never dude, I'm fucking balding and I shave my head every every other week. So I have the utmost respect for what anyone wants to do with their hair except myself. With that said. <laughs> Anna's donating hers. I know. And that was the <coughs> that was the other thing I was going to say. But going back to what I was going to say, she pulls it off very, very well. Yeah, she does. Thank you. Yeah. She'll, I was going to say I'll tell her, but she'll hear it when she listens. Yeah. All right. Fucking A, Bubba. Fucking A. All right. That was a good one. It was. It was an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do good? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh. Hush, hush, hush. Okay. Hush, hush. okay. 11.20, we will be doing a podcast. <gasps> yes. Okay? With Heidi. Yes. She's a lawyer. Heidi Ernest is one of uh, my high school classmates. And, like, when you look back at your high school class, sometimes you're like, man, 
they did so much with their wife. I'm so proud of them. They were a good person, and I'm, I'm glad to see good things come to them. She is one of the most brilliant minds when it comes to cannabis law. So we're going to talk about the future of the cannabis industry, cannabis law. We're going to talk about uh, Biden's executive order that was supposed to pardon all these uh, people in for minor cannabis crimes, all of that. We're going to talk about it all, and I am so excited just to have her on and talk everything news, politics, and in cannabis. And then one more announcement. Oh, baby. One more housekeeping. Um, we got our hot sauces in. So Brian and I will be doing another Hot Ones episode. Uh, the tentative date for right now is going to be December 4th. Uh, we're kind of working that around the holidays um that being thanksgiving um but we will be doing that live on youtube there will probably be a change of venue yeah for that one most likely we, yeah we'll be doing that at, at my house um daddy's got some good internets um, yeah <laughs> but we will do it's gonna be a uh, fuck you comcast but also your product but is real thanks good. for the 600 <laughs> megabytes per second um <laughs> But we will be doing that. It's gonna be like uh, it's gonna be Brian, uh, mine and Brian's way of celebrating. Uh, two hundred. Yeah, yeah, and we're we're basically we're gonna be over well over two hundred episodes by that yeah. point. But um, we're looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be live. Uh, we'll throw some cool shit in there. If Brian throws up again, I'll post it on Instagram again. Now I gotta get outside. It's not just <laughs> running out the garage door. I'm gonna have to I'll, run upstairs. I'll, or... Dude, I'm gonna do an. I'll do a nice setup. If we do it at my house, I'll. Okay. okay. We'll have buckets. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you throw up indoors, baby. Oh, baby. All right. That being said, do good. Be great. Love, Love you guys. The misfits. How you going react? We insomniacs. We ain't get no sleep. Break the rules. Can't stay on beat. Make a move. Running through the streets. A to Z. Follow my lead. Saints and status quo. This is rock and roll. This is how I get a Geronimo. This is bye bye ta ta audio. This is all or none. This is all I know. This that I don't know. We try and go. I don't even know. I'm just trying to roll. Me and my friends trying to hit the road. Trying to catch a wave. Gotta see my soul. Thought I was gone, but I'm back. Why one's on the attack? Oh, got no time to relax. Let's go pronto ASAP. Make you watch my moves. Added it in you. They ain't heard a good move. Well, this is what you gotta do. Just break out.